Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 245, Oliver and Company, Boombox Dancing Legs. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fixed with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. So Chelsea, if you were a dog, what sort of dog would you be? I I would actually be a Doberman because I love Dobermans. But according to this video or this movie, Dobermans are the worst. Oh, this movie forever ingrained my love of Dobermans. I know they're supposed oh, to be bad guys, <laughs> but they were so cool and they are so amazing that you can't just overlook that. I'm sorry. They're bad. They're awesome. It- they have the pointy ears, which you need to do for it to be a proper Doberman. Dock the ears, dock yes. the tail, right? Speaking of thoroughbreds, <laughs> we are the Rotoscopers. We are animation addicts through and through. And today's episode, let's just jump right into it. This is a very unexpected one. Chelsea and I needed to record, and some of the movies that we want to record, uh, we need some guests, we need some additional information and research, and so... Chelsea said, hey, let's watch this one. And I said, let's do it. Gotta love Disney Plus. We threw it on and here we are. So without further ado, let's travel back in time to the 80s for Oliver and Company. I will have to say that I have a core memory of that boombox 
the guy, the legs with the boombox. It's a core memory. It you cannot get rid of it out of my mind. It's there, solidly. Good old boombox legs. Love it. <laughs> I also wanted to say, like at the very beginning of this movie, you just notice. It's so 80s. Very 80s. So let's 80s. talk about that. If a goofy movie was 90s, this is oh so 80s. Yes. So before we talk about it, let's set the stage for how this movie came to be. So the studio was Walt Disney Animation Studios. Director was George Scribner. Release date, it was a winter release. Remember, we used to do Catch and Fire mm. and say winter releases or summer releases. This was November 18th, 1988, one year before The Little Mermaid. Budget, $31 million. So we're, we're getting into the, the late 80s where these budgets are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And the box office total... Over $121 million. Now, it's an initial okay. run. It was $53 million. So basically doubled its budget. And this was actually released the same day as Land Before Time, which I think is what? wild. Because, you know, at this point, the nine old men had retired in the early 80s. And then there was the big Don Bluth leaving the studio, starting his own studio, all that drama that happened. And so, and then this is the very first movie of the eisner katzenberg era that they had officially greenlit when they came together ran you know took the studio over um, so this is like the beginning of an era not the end of an era and so it's interesting because you know it's just hilarious to me how how it works sometimes where it's like you know what yeah i remember that guy who left our studio we're going to release our movie the same day as his. How about that? That's crazy. <laughs> Which that was not his first one. Obviously, they were Secret of Nim. Yeah. And he was very well known at this point in time. So came well, out same day as Land Before Time. Land Before Time opened number one with $7.5 million mm-hmm. compared to Oliver and Company's $4 million. However, Oliver and Company went on to have a better theatrical run with $53 million compared to Land Before Time's $46 million. At the end of the day, uh, they're both pretty successful, I would say. What what was interesting is right after this is when you have Dom DeLuise, who basically like jumped on over to the Dom Bluth side and mm-hmm. was he's their guy, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so as I'm as I'm listening to this and I'm hearing uh, Fagan and I'm just like, it's Dom DeLuise. It's, oh, it's yeah. itchy. <laughs> well, there's actually a lot of really great voice actors in this yeah. movie. So yeah. we will talk about them. Let's go, let's go ahead and talk about them. So before we do, this movie obviously is based on Charles Dickens' classic novel, Oliver Twist. Now, normally this would be Morgan's literary segment where I have read the book and then I tell you about the book and compare the differences and whatnot. Now, I did not have time to do that because honestly, we had just decided on this movie a few hours ago. I did not have time to speed read Oliver and Company, but I can't, or Oliver Twist, but I can give you the basics. I have read it before and seen Oliver, the, the musical and, and different movie adaptations. I feel like this is a pretty well-known property at this point. Very yeah. classic, very beloved, right? So Oliver Twist is about a boy named Oliver who is an orphan in London. He's an orphan until he's about nine years old. And then one day he's just at this horrible orphanage that no one Lisa, would want to live at. I want some more. Yes. And he has some some boys at the orphanage who really kind of try to goad him on and they get him to go ask for more, uh, more, more food, which, you know, you just have your gruel and that's it. Um, he obviously gets kicked out after this point. Now he's on his own. 
So when he's out on the streets, he meets a little boy named Jack Dawkins, who we know as the Artful Dodger. This is a boy that's his own age, and he offers him shelter in his home uh, with their benefactor named Fagin. Fagin, you know, turns out is a career criminal who trains all these orphan boys to go and to pickpocket for a living. And so, of course, Oliver, just being very naive and innocent, he ends up doing this and they go on one of these pickpocketing missions and they steal a handkerchief from an old gentleman. And Oliver realizes this. He's horrified. He runs off and he basically gets caught, you know, and this man, it was named Mr. Brownlow. It was his handkerchief who was stolen. He sees that Oliver is sick. He's very feverish. He takes him home. He nurses him back to health. And he just really sees that there's some sort of resemblance with this boy. Um, you know, and of course, Oliver loves it here. He thrives in this man's home. You know, he's not associating with the criminals anymore. And it turns out that uh, Bill Sykes, who's another member of Fagin's gang and Sykes's lover, Nancy, they say, no, 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 this isn't going to happen. So they capture Oliver and they take him back to Fagin. So in this version, Fagin is kind of the the big guy, the overlord. Um, so then they have Oliver again do more burglary. And, you know, he has to go back to the house and have to steal from there. And it just ends up not being really great. Obviously, Oliver really wants to, you know, go back to this, but he doesn't want to steal from him. But he's kind of like stuck in this weird situation. So there's another lady. Her her name is Mrs. Maylie. She has an adopted niece named Rose. So Nancy, who, again, was the lover of, of like the bad guys, right? She meets up with Rose and lets her know of Fagin's plans, um, basically to steal from him and, and everything. And Sykes finds out and he murders Nancy and then he flees. Sykes is gone. Oh. Um, yeah, so he has a guilty conscience oh. and an angry mob follows him and he accidentally hangs himself while he's trying to escape this. Not No good. But basically mm. at the end of Oliver Twist, Mr. Brownlow reunites with Oliver and adopts him as his son. And, you know, they live a happy, happy existence in the countryside from there. So... So that is just kind of the loose Oliver Twist, the basics of the story. And you can see how it is loosely based. You can (laughs) see how Oliver Twist is loosely based on this. There's some similarities, but there's there really isn't. And, you know, so we're going to go through each one of these characters and we'll discuss them, you know, in their movie counterpart and their book counterpart and things we liked and didn't like. So first, before we even get started with that, let's talk about the where it's set, which is London versus New York City. Uh, the the concrete jungle versus... Another concrete jungle. <laughs> yeah. The modern concrete jungle versus the older one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, they wanted to modernize this, basically, when they were pitching the movie. They're like, hey, how about Oliver Twist with dogs? And I think Katzenberg was interested in doing an Oliver Twist revamp at a different studio. So he was like, yeah, of course, this sounds great. Um, so that got the green lit. And there's just kind of a way for them to modernize uh. the story. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what better place than New York City? Now, what I think is really interesting is there's always all this drama online that you read about, like, why didn't, why hasn't Disney gone in and deleted the Twin Towers? I'm like, why should they? Why would we want to erase this part of our history? That's the fact weird. that it existed is is a good thing it's not oh we need to shield the children from knowing about these two buildings in the background that they didn't know existed what it makes no sense to me when people are like oh we gotta gotta remove the twin towers from movies like they never existed you know for example home alone 2 he's up at the top of one of them and 
I don't agree with that. I, I don't believe in erasing history. I don't understand why it's offensive to see the Twin Towers there. Obviously, it was horrible what happened, but yeah, not a fan. But yeah, it's, I, this I was actually like one of the very first... more of a reason to keep them. Right. I, you would think, right? But people on the internet be as people on the internet be. <laughs> they uh, want some crazy yeah, things. gosh. They <laughs> <laughs> do want crazy things. And this was one of the first Disney movies to have sort of product placement, if you will. Now, there wasn't any official, uh, nice. you know, product placement pitches. You know, it's not like Kodak paid them money or uh, USA Today. They really <laughs> right. just wanted to make it very real to New York City. So they're like, hey, like you can't uh-huh. go to New York City and not see the Coca-Cola billboard in Times Square. So we're going to include it. So. Very modern in that way where it had these references to, you could say kind of, it, it dates it a bit. Some of these are not around anymore, like Kodak. Well, Kodak's, right. eh, it's right. more of a super niche brand, niche brand, but you get what I'm saying. Anyway, so yeah. I, I actually, for this movie, I like that it is done in New York City because we have seen quite a few movies in London. You know, the one right before this was The Great Mouse Detective, and there's been quite a few movies done in London Um even, you know, our other canine film, 101 Dalmatians, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, I I, I like London as well. <laughs> right. I have nothing against London. I New York City is just cool. A straight yeah, it's it, it's just cool. I don't think the New York yeah, City Tourism cool. Commission was involved in like, hey, we need to change our image. Come on, make it seem cool. I mean, they make it seem very yeah, New York. It's it's grungy, it's gritty, yeah. it's busy. It's a metropolitan, it's a metropolis. Um, I think it's very true to what it is at the time. Like it, it's does, it's not this like sparkly mm-hmm. clean Emerald city, you know, not even. Right. It's not Disneyland. It kind of reminds me, there were certain moments where I kind of got we're back vibes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, Jenny, how uh-huh. she's the kind of like, no, she's not like an orphan, but she has these parents that are just too busy to even be They're around with her. Gone. We'll just talk about her. <laughs> So before we do that, let's talk about Oliver. So in this movie, Oliver is equivalent to Oliver, right? Oliver Twist. Um, Uh They're both orphans. They both end up kind of getting into a gang. And other than that, that's kind of the differences. I mean, although can I say, can you really make an Oliver Twist film without the classic, please, sir? Can I have some more? The, I mean, yeah, I was missing big missed that. opportunity to include that somehow, right? Like, <laughs> even if he would have done it at Jenny's house, and he scarfs up all the food, and then he like says it to get more, that would have been a funny kind of just little reference there, totally out of order. Or even at the very beginning when he's doing the, well, he's getting the hot dogs, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he's like, "Hey, can I have some more?" Right. And speaking at the very beginning, I thought it was. I don't know. Not very realistic. It's like the free kittens. And the intro of this is just actually so pretty sad. nice. Yeah, it's so sad. It, was it just great. has the music that just like hits you as soon as we start. It has classic Disney rain. Like what else do you want in a Disney film where there's a thunderstorm that just makes things super sad, right? Um, <laughs> but I just don't buy that Oliver was the last kitten there. First off, he is the only orange one, which is yeah. a very highly desired color and you're telling this me these gray true. kittens were taken over him Mm-mm. yeah not not necessarily buying that so i feel like he's so adorable looking they should have made him like really ugly looking or something to make it seem a little more believable but whatever hey it, what but then we wouldn't be as sad that he was totally left and the people <laughs> who were trying to sell him didn't even care and was just like all right you know fend for yourself 
take it. You're you know free. what they need? Like, they need to do a remake of this and to have Puss in Boots play Oliver with the big, sad, <laughs> kitty eyes. <laughs> oh my It'd gosh. be perfect, right? <laughs> with a Spanish accent and everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. That would make my day, actually. Yes, right? <laughs> okay, so a few other characters... In this one, there's Bill Sykes, and then there's Bill Sykes in Oliver Twist. Now, the only difference is the way that they spell Sykes. Sykes in the original is with an I, and Sykes in this one is with a Y. Why they felt they needed to do that? I don't know. <laughs> like, come on, you're basically doing the same name. Can we? Maybe they just want to make it like this is no, this is a Disney character, so we can this copyright is ours. him. <laughs> yes, so we can exactly. Yes, put him in the parks. I guess. As I was listening, I was like, this voice sounds so familiar. And then I realized, I'm like, it's Percival C. McLeach. <laughs> I love it. It is. Once you go back and listen, you're like, oh, yeah. You're like, I cannot hear that. There are a few. There's a few characters like that. Speaking of Oliver, his voice was voiced by Joey Lawrence. And you're once you hear that, you're like, <gasps> oh. oh, right? <laughs> yeah, you really. Yes. A younger yes. one, obviously. This was before the Boy Meets World uh -huh. era, but you know he was just a wee one at the time. So he's still like he still gets it on with the voiceover crew. You know, good for him. Good I for mean, him. it's a good gig. Yeah, if you can get in, right? So Fagin and Fagin, obviously, in this version, Sykes is like the big bad overlord, and he has the two Dobermans, mm -hmm. Roscoe and Desoto, and then Fagin is just kind of the wormy pickpocket dude who is in over his head with too much money that he's owing to Sykes. I liked that. I liked the, you know, mm -hmm. the way they were able to change the storyline a bit. Um, initially, the way that this movie was going to go, it was going to be about Oliver's parents getting killed and then oh, Oliver no. <laughs> seeking revenge for their death. Like they get killed at the beginning. Okay. I think by Sykes was one of the ones who's, who's like killed the parents. So it was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that, that's really dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a bit black cauldron. Revenge. Yeah, yeah, this is his revenge mission. Like, wow, okay. So, you know, how do you like Fagin in this version where he's just it even at the very end, when he thinks he has this brilliant idea to pay back the money, and he's like, I'm gonna kidnap the girl, or I'm gonna kidnap the cat, and then this millionaire is gonna pay me so much money for my kitten. And then he sees that it's the girl, Jenny. <laughs> Well, I mean, the fact that it's Don DeLuise, like his w mannerism in voice is very endearing. And so it's hard not to like him. Mm -hmm. And granted, like he's the type of guy that I wouldn't really like if I just saw you on the side of the street, I probably wouldn't be like, hey, we should be friends. But the the fact that he's just like so in way over his head. For sure. His design, I really like. And so... We know we were talking about how there was this new wave of animators who kind of cut their teeth in the 80s. And there were other ones like Glenn Keane, which we've talked about, Mark Henn, Ruben Aquino, Mike Gabriel. So speaking of Glenn Keane, he was the supervising animator for quite a few people in this film. So Sykes, mm -hmm. Georgette, Fagin, and Jenny Foxworth. And what I want you to do is just to type in Glenn Keane, Oliver and Company, um, and then look at the images section and you will see, oh my gosh, some of the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful character sketches of these characters. So like particularly Fagin and Jenny, 
I love, there's so much motion and just, you, if you know Glenn Keane, you know the way that he is able to draw these characters and, and really make you connect with them. So these mm-hmm. model sheets are so beautiful and I will share some in the show notes, but I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, how come, like I can see Glenn Keane's hand in the final product, but these sketches are even more of his design. You know, obviously they had to tweak it so it matched the style of the film and whatnot, but it's, they're so nice. I like them a lot. So anyway, going back to that. So I guess we've talked about her enough. I want to talk about Jenny, but we should talk about the other dogs first, right? So we have Artful Dodger versus Dodger. You know, in in Oliver Twist, Artful Dodger is more of a peer, right? Mm-hmm. He's the same age, kind of. He's maybe like an older boy. Arthur Dodger's definitely more older. He feels like an adult, like a grown-up, and he's also a different species. So that's one thing that's totally different, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that everyone is dogs, (laughs) and then Oliver is the sole cat who's trying to figure it out, right? I always remember growing up loving this movie and loving all of the dogs. I just thought every single one of them was great. (laughs) Yeah, they all have a very specific personality. They do a really good job of of characterizing them and giving them even like Francis, not Frankie, Francis. You know, (laughs) it's like like these little things like really stick with you as you are going back and remembering them. What was funny is I'm thinking back and the main people that I remember, like at least the main names that I remember is definitely Mm -hmm. Georgette. You can't forget her. Yes. And mm-hmm. you can't forget Oliver, obviously. And then Sykes. Like, mm-hmm. I just, those were the ones that really made the biggest, like, impact on me name-wise. <laughs> like, I can always remember right. their names. But all the other names, I was like, what were their names again? Yeah, same here. When I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, his name's Francis. Oh, Tito. Oh, Einstein. Mm-hmm. And then the girl was right. Rita, who's the only girl dog. Yeah, it's a fun crew and they did they did a really good job of they're all super unique and kind of fit into their own little box. So we have Cheech from Cheech and Chong. He's Tito, Mm -hmm. which he's also one of the hyenas in Lion King. Yes, that's so funny. (laughs) Ignacio Alonso Julio Frederico de Tito. (laughs) That's great. Um, There's Einstein. He's the gray Great Dane and he's not particularly bright but he's cute. And I guess there is a stereotype that Great Danes are not very smart. They're a bit dim-witted. They're, but they're really big. not. And they're brawny. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And he does his job of running into cars. Yes. That plays his part well, he's right? He's an overachiever. Francis is... Or Francis. <laughs> he's the <laughs> English Francis. bulldog. He loves art, theater, Shakespeare, TV, obsessed. And he does not appreciate <laughs> being called Frankie. So, and then of course there's Rita, who's just kind of like a mutt type of dog. I don't know. <laughs> she's the girl. Yeah, I don't know what she is, but like you she's like her, and yeah. she's she's also like she's the more nice. mature of them all. You know, she's it was kind of like got a vibe that she, it was gonna be her and Dodger that were apparently the couple. Like, or mm-hmm. at least that's how it comes across, especially after they bring Oliver back home or back to their place. And she's like, we really shouldn't have done this dodge, you know? And he was just like, ah, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always got it, kind of got that vibe. And I felt like they just did a really good job of making them all very unique and noticeable and 
memorable, even though like I'm sitting here saying that I can't remember their names. It doesn't mean that I don't remember <laughs> the dogs. I remember. The- yes. <laughs> you, you remember. Point. <laughs> We've been talking about Jenny. I always want to call her Penny, but it's Jenny. What is more mm. 80s than the name Jenny? Am I right? <laughs> and she's basically the equivalent of Mr. Brownlow. She, in her own right, is a bit of an orphan. Her parents have an extended trip, you know, kind of a work trip where they have to go to a conference in Europe. And so she's just alone. And she has the butler who's kind of, you know, his name is um, Winston. So he just helps out. And when I was watching some of the very first scenes with Winston, I was like, oh my gosh, that is Watson from (laughs) the Great Mouse Detective. Like there were certain moments where I was like, wow, you, someone animated you too. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Someone animated you too. (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like whoever it's, it's, I totally know. It's not the same person. I know that style. Yeah, it, 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 I could bet money that whoever did Winston also did Watson. <laughs> yeah. Man, these British it's guys like with when the you, When you know, you know it. That was something that I miss about 2D animation is the fact that there was a style to each character because mm-hmm. of the person that actually drew them. With CGI, it's so much easier for people to interchange and just jump in and animate somebody because somebody's already mm-hmm. built the character and designed oh, yeah. it and so it's not like you can have a major change but like when we we're we talked about how in great mouse detective you've got radigan and then in fox and the hound i just remember that there was this moment where i was like oh glenn Keane did the bear at the end of fox and the hound and then at the very end of the radigan moment where he changes i'm like no that's glenn keen that's glenn keen doing an animal right like right. crazy <laughs> <laughs> and i was right and i was like ah that's so cool that that was something that you can actually look up and see one other thing that i thought was funny was there's a moment where oliver gets chased by a bunch of random dogs that they don't you know they're just the beginning dogs and it is all um, i i would almost bet that it was rotoscoped from a lady in the tramp oh there were some moments where i was like i feel like i've seen this before yeah yeah <laughs> and a good old trusty showed up made a cameo <laughs> so okay so going back to winston really fast i was <laughs> looking him to up to see i was trying to see who his animator was and normally you can find it but I could not as a, a quick, you know, 30 second Google search, but I did come across his Wikia page, basically. And this is oh. not Disney Wikia. This is hero.fandom.com wiki. So heroes wiki, which I think this is an interesting place to put him. I would not consider him a hero as in no. the, because if you look at the banner of this website, it's all superheroes. So yeah, <laughs> uh, someone said, no, Winston is a hero anyways they have like a little (laughs) they have a category for him and he is labeled as do-gooder and there's this photo of him like tipping his cap at you (laughs) and his occupation is the foxworth's butler he's a driver he's georgette and oliver's caretaker and my favorite section is powers slash skills and it says no information (laughs) he well i mean he is a boxing fan he is. A, that's what it says. It says hobbies, watching ring meetings on TV. I guess that's 
boxing matches are called ring meetings. Yes. Um, His enemies are Bill Sykes and Roscoe and DeSoto. Mm -hmm. So in case you're wondering. And the type of hero that he is listed as is Butler. He's the Butler hero. (laughs) (laughs) Him him and Alfred. Him and Alfred. (laughs) Oh, great. I kind of feel like Francis is his enemy, though, because he has way more... Oh uh, yeah, back and forth yes. with Francis than mm-hmm. he did with mm-hmm. any of the other dogs. So I went on this page. Sorry, I'm like really going down this rabbit hole <laughs> to see like when was this created, and it seems someone decided in November 5th, 2020, that this person named this Adi was Ozzie, their day. They decided that hey, this person needed Winston needed his own page on the Hero Wikia, and yeah, then over the you. course of the next few days this person went in and created more and more and more they added a whole bunch of stuff and um so no one touched it got a few touches in 2021 but as of basically two weeks ago someone else went in there and added more things (laughs) oh the internet the internet (laughs) internet people are amazing never change (laughs) please oh goodness i'm really glad that they added in georgette because she wasn't in the book and so to have her added in here was a good touch. Yeah. So the basically the equivalent maybe would be Rose, but she's like a Mary. She's like the niece. She's like really kind and sweet. And Georgette is not. <laughs> right. Georgette sees Oliver as a threat. She doesn't like him. She as soon as he she as soon as Oliver's gone, she's dumping his bowl in the trash. So um, I guess kind of similar, but really not really in the least. Other than the fact that, hey, when he goes to this rich person's house, there's a woman there. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny's kind of the equivalent of Mr. Bar- Brownlow, except for she's just a little girl, uh-huh. which it works better. Although would I will say, since we just did our Disney, the best Disney dates, <laughs> nerdy couch discussion, mm-hmm. which you should totally check out rotoscopers.com slash two, four, three for that discussion. We rank all the Disney dates. Now, Jenny and Oliver, they go on quite the day through oh, New York true. city, central park. They have, they wave at the old people. Yes, <laughs> that that is a core memory as well. Like she's like being a goofball, dancing around, and the old people are looking at her like, Ugh. and then she does a curtsy, and Oliver does his little bow, and they're like, oh, they're cool, they're one of us, and they them go on their way. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <sighs> they they definitely are looking at her as though she's like nothing but trouble. But it's like, oh gosh, like right. I mean, and you kind of get the feeling that she's just allowed to roam free and do whatever she wants. But then every every few scenes they show that, no, 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 Winston, he's there. Our hero, Winston. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alfred in the skies. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So next would be Nancy, which is one that was cut. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess Nancy. Nancy would be the equivalent of mutt dog who we can never remember her name rita <laughs> I, right. I think rita's kind of the equivalent of nancy because she is very yeah. kind to to him she's one of the bad mm-hmm. or quote you know not bad she's just the scoundrel bad influence thieves. yes exactly mm-hmm. she's the gang so yeah but she's she's the goody but all of them are good that's the thing we never get the impression that like any of artful dodger and fagan's crew are evil 
they really wanted to separate right. that. And that's why I think they made Sykes the boss with the bad dogs, right? Yeah. And that was what was funny about Roscoe and DeSoto. It was just the fact that even though they are meant to be the villains, they're our favorites. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they were, oh, yeah. They were amazing. <laughs> I love them. And I love their collars. And I always wanted to yes. get a collar that would, like, kind of go down the chest like the like that. But those, <laughs> yes. they don't work. Like, <laughs> they defeat the purpose of a collar on a dog. So, Chelsea, you are burying the lead here, burying the bone. You are were a doberman owner yeah i we used to we actually princess yes uh we had princess and then she we got into breeding for a little bit and so we've done the the doberman breeding game one from her litter we had was um was duchess and so we had duchess for a little bit and then yeah unfortunately I did not live in a place that was very conducive to having a lot of animals that would try to run away. We lived on a very busy street. And so that was it was Mm -hmm. a sad day. I I grew up with lots of lots of bad memories. (laughs) So we'll we'll walk past that for a second. (laughs) I'm sorry for bringing it up. All dogs go to heaven. (laughs) It's okay, But yeah, I do. I loved Overman's. And yeah, Princess was my dog. I had her for almost six years. She's great. Do you remember Princess? I do. I do. She was for the first few years that we were friends. You had her. Yeah. But Dobermans Mm -hmm. to me are the epitome of rich guard dog. Like I have my estate. I have my manor. (laughs) And I have my, not one, but two Dobermans to guard the premises. You have to. And they will bite and they will attack you if you try to get on. And so this, again, is one of my goals is I will have two Dobermans (laughs) on my Rand estate. So there are actually four different colors of Dobermans. And if you start looking them up, this is just, a, you know, a nice little tangent time for us. <laughs> Doberman tangent time. There are four different colors. There is the classic black. And next is the red, which is more of a brown, but still has the same markings. There is also a blue Doberman, which is kind of more of a, I mean, it looks more gray. And then you can also find albino Dobermans. You definitely don't want to breed an albino dog mm-hmm. but they just look so cool and i want one <laughs> so uh, an albino doberman i would love to have an albino doberman yes i would actually love to have all no. of them i want to have like one of each <laughs> because it's like they look so cool and to have all of them it just it just seems cool i would like black black you're, with you're the going brown. for the classic the black. classic the classic like if you're gonna buy a chanel purse you gotta get the black one for your first one you're not getting the crazy yellow color okay <laughs> It's a big investment. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Only when you're on your, you know, fifth or something do you go crazy and you get <laughs> lemon you yellow Prada bag, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about, I mean, we got to talk about her, right? Georgette. She's voiced and sung by the great Bette Midler. Bette Midler. And- Which, okay, here's a funny thing. At the end of that, I felt like it was weird that she got last billing on the on the credits Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'm thinking is that a thing that's like better in some way because you're last because it's only a you know a very short voice cast so yeah well sometimes when they do movies they do like starring this person and this person and at the very end they say with blah 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 like you know what i'm talking about right yeah look this up right now okay let me see if i can 
good old Cora is helping us figure this out. So um, this is from Philip Mayer. He seems to have professional experience in film and TV, a BA, MFA, and cinema production from USC. Sounds like a pro. So let's listen to what he says. <laughs> Among the leads, that's most... Best, that's mostly specified and worked out in their contracts. If you have two actors of equal stature, you will often see their names appearing together on screen with one taking the upper right and one taking the lower left. So that way they can have appear to have equal billing. End credits are easier and will state order of appearance, listed alphabetically. Um, well, okay, that wasn't... I, I'm, tr- I'm more interested in the beginning part of that where it's like starring this and okay. this and at the very end they'll have like a big name at the very end and it's usually with mm-hmm, but that's very mm-hmm. hard to search the word with no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh okay okay here we go phil romano a tv director he said what's the difference between an opening credit designation starring actor on a tv show and the designation with the actor credit with is used when a well-known actor is not a leading character and negotiates being the last actor credit, but is singled out by using the with. This calls attention to them. Okay, since they are in every episode, they can't use the special guest star type of credit. So it seems that if you're not necessarily a huge lead role, role, um, you're not the main character, but you are such a big name that you deserve prominent attention, they'll Mm -hmm. throw you at the end with the with With. designation. Ah, All right, Mm. all right. So there you go. So now we know. Now we know. Do, 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 do. <laughs> you know what that is? Yeah. The, the, the more do you, know, you know. The more you know sign. <laughs> so Georgette is great. And speaking of core memories, I have a very distinct core memory of that moment where Georgette is sitting on her vanity. She's scared because the other dogs are coming in and she thinks that they're going to take her and it's wobbling back and forth and it eventually breaks. That is a core memory. And another core memory is Jenny mixing the cat food with that yes. brown batter. And there's the chunks of food in it that look like Cocoa Puffs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Very, very distinct memory of that. Like as soon uh-huh. as I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh. It's very just funny distinct. the things that you hone in on when you're a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Those two were definitely some of them. Well, de- and also the point where she's sitting, Georgette is sitting on the couch doing her jazzercise exercise. <laughs> yes. And the jazzercise to the human tape. And then uh-huh. when it's time to leave, she hits it with her foot super fast. Uh huh. That's, that's a core memory where it's like, just like the animation of that. Like, so I'm sure weird. Glenn Keane was involved in like, <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, that's amazing. And I mean, uh, of course, obviously he was involved. I, I'm pretty sure there wasn't a scene or even a frame that did not pass his eyes. <laughs> Probably. But it's just such a funny character moment of the yeah. turn off the TV. Yeah. And then you also have so many of these audio memories, I mm-hmm. mean, all these quotes, and they all go back to those commercials that they would put at the v- very beginning of the VHS. Yeah. So it's like a pussycat. <laughs> <laughs> As the movie went on and these little moments happened, I'm like, oh, that's from the commercial. <laughs> that's <laughs> good <great>. times. <laughs> uh, to be a 90s kid. <laughs> right. But all of these things like go down into like, OK, what was our core memories and first thoughts and experiences for these this film? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to even say. I don't remember. I was too young to remember seeing it in theaters, but mm-hmm. I definitely own the VHS and watched it a lot of times. So I have very specific memories of watching this over and over and over. The Dobermans as well. It it was just funny going back and watching this. 
I was like, why have I not wanted to watch this in a while? I felt the same way, but watching it, it was very enjoyable. Yeah. And I, I remember why I did. I mean, I say like, oh, I grew up watching this movie. I can't, can't tell you whether I've seen this movie five times, 10 times, 20 times. It just like was one of the ones that you would stick in every once in a while. Right. Yeah. And so there's, it hasn't been like a huge urge or rush to really wa- review this movie on the podcast. Here we are. Episode 245. <laughs> we're finally later. Get, getting around to it. But <laughs> as I was watching, I was like, this movie's fun. Yeah. It's quick. It's light. There's great character moments. The songs are really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're classics in their own right. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Billy Joel. Can't go wrong with Bette Midler. Georgette's mm-hmm. song is one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Now, would you call Georgette's song a villain song? I, I think that's what we decided to put it as a villain. Just okay. because she wasn't necessarily a villain, but she was the foil. An antagonist. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking there's the one song that Rita sings and I was thinking, okay, we are going to be doing a Nerdy Couch discussion on another couple songs that we missed. And one of them is Best Sidekick Song. So would that one be considered a sidekick song? Georgette? No, not Georgette. The one with Rita singing, where she's like, Ugh. New York is going to be laid with gold or something is like that. Is it a montage in a way? It wasn't necessarily like a growing up montage. Yeah, it was just they were traveling the city. Yeah, it was more of her showing him the ropes. A sidekick song, huh? I was to ponder that. We shall ponder. But mm-hmm. I, I also thought, I know I mentioned that in the best opening songs thing, but as I watched it this time, like most of the time when I went through those lists, I kind of just like listened to the, I just listened to the uh, soundtracks and I didn't watch all of the movies <laughs> to be able to tell you like what was <laughs> right. the better songs. But as I'm watching this movie from the get go, it's a normal s- castle that you would remember the the blue, but the music that goes along with it is just like, Oh, okay, this is interesting. And it's just goes straight into that opening number. And the once upon a time in New York city. And I just felt like, I should have given this one more props because it's just they did a good job with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have it as like a top one, but it's still, you know, it's up there. It should have yeah. made a higher list on my list wherever it was. It should have been right. at least one notch higher. It really did a good job of showing you and, and making Oliver very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that like you go from five dollars and meow, meow, and then now you're <laughs> alone and the person doesn't even care enough to stick around to see if anybody's <laughs> willing to take you. Like just a sign that says free, like this is not okay. And yeah. then there's so much rain that the box actually breaks. Like this is you're like drowning this thing. <laughs> it's so sad. And I think I remember when Pablo was on how he had just mentioned to us that he had seen this movie recently and how it made him cry. And I was like, oh, I, I'm almost there. Like, this is yeah. sad. Yeah. No, they do. They did a really, a really great job. Also, Sykes was somebody like I mentioned, I remembered him. And even on our last when we were talking about the best dates and I was like, I just re- I have a core memory of there being a train of some kind mm-hmm. and realizing, oh, yeah, the train is where Sykes goes to his death. Like that part is intense. So, yeah, let's talk about the end because, okay, so initially it's like, oh, Fagan, you're just a dummy. You mm-hmm. thought you were going to blackmail and get the cat and get some money and pay your debt. Fine, whatever. 
and and this whole time i'm like sykes is fine like sykes is just a debt collector he wants his money back i have no problem with sykes he has aggressive dogs because obviously he runs in shady business and shady circles so he's got to protect himself i have no problem with sykes and really i was thinking that i was like He's not really that bad of a guy. I mean, there was the phone call conversations that he's having. Well, you don't kill him at first. You know? <laughs> just like, well, OK. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's a little attempted murder here? <laughs> it's Between just the a mob. <laughs> <laughs> but then things get real when he kidnaps Penny himself. He right. realizes like, you know what? Forget the cat. Let's get the girl. So he gets the girl, he takes her in, and then crazy chase ensues. And again, I'm like, okay, he's he's being a weirdo, he's running away with her. And But then the part where it just completely goes off the rails, or should I say on the rails, mm-hmm. is when he, they go onto the subway track. And then Sykes revs his car so fast that the tire, yes. the rubber on the tire disappears and goes away. And now he has... You basically anchored himself. Yes, created a train car. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, this is not going to end well. They didn't even try to say that this was like an abandoned track. Like, there will be a train coming. This is the main train, like bridge. Yeah. (laughs) This is just a ticking time bomb. This guy has really gone Cruella de Vil crazy eye status at this point, you know? Yeah. You know, so he's going and then... The front of his car, how it has two Dobermans leaping forward is yes. perfect. And I oh, want with, that. And his license plate is D-O-B-R-M-A-N. Doberman. <gasps> yes, it's yes. great. If somebody has a 3D printer, please build me one of those <laughs> front head, <laughs> like front of my car things. Because I want one. <laughs> the two? Yes. The it two jumping the two Doberman, Doberman going okay. forward. If anyone has a 3D printer and can please do that, do that for Chelsea. She would (laughs) love it ever so much. Okay, great. Yeah. But uh, anyways, it's like, how are you going to get out of this? He's going straight towards the train and they everyone hops off, you know, the very last minute. And he basically crashes head on to the train. There's fire and obliteration. Guy's dead. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's no surviving that. No. And then no. they are up on their little motorbike, all uh, Darkwing Duck, like going across the, the suspension cables of the bridge. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the chase scene was pretty intense. And they had a lot of really great use of the CGI. You know, they're really mm-hmm. getting inventive with this. Uh, I liked it. I felt like the most part, the different CGI that they had used was in areas that did not distract. It was Mm -hmm. for things that were very architectural. You know, there's that scene where Georgette is walking down the stairs and the stairs behind her are spinning in a very cool way. Mm -hmm. You know, anything with buildings, cars. I like the use of it. They take that and then essentially rotoscope over it where they then draw the car moving and, and it creates that nice effect. So that's what they had done Great Mouse Detective the year before. So I may be mm-hmm. wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what they did at this point in time. But good, good stuff. Good time. I just, you know, going back to this, as we were saying, this is definitely a trip back into the 80s. And even though you and I, we don't remember the 80s, we definitely remember the mm-hmm. 90s, though. Mm-hmm. But it still has a lot of the memories of like coming out of the 80s that we do remember because this is yeah. 88. So it's just fun to kind of see how it how it goes and then also back to the core memories like this is this builds up (laughs) so much of my childhood that i didn't even realize as i was until i watched it again i was like oh my gosh 
yeah. this movie and saying it once again i don't know why i didn't want to watch this like this was yeah. one of those that for the whole i haven't watched it in the last 10 years mm-hmm. like since we started the podcast i know we we did do a review of the dvd but that was just basically our me- memories of it when we right. did a youtube video about right. it and to actually rewatch it again it's like wow cool this is my Good time this is my childhood Good times and great oldies. Cool 94.5. So with that, any last thoughts about this movie before we wrap it up? Go ahead and rate it and I'll tell you what my rating is because I've been going first the last couple times and you've been copying me. I'm such a copycat. (laughs) Yes. So I think I'm going to rate this three and a half stars. It's very enjoyable. I didn't have really any problems with it. I liked the characters. The music was was good, mm-hmm. but not you know phenomenally great where I want to listen to these songs over and over and over again. But they were classics, you know, just because yeah. there's been enough time with them that, yeah, a lot of these are really classics. For example, Georgette's, uh, her song, everything about that scene, again, core memory is I just love the Georgette scene. Yeah. Oh, girl, we've got work to do. Pass me the paint and glue. I just, she's such a diva. Mm-hmm. And it's so great because it just goes with the Bette Midler of it all. And the movie has just really great characters. I feel like it's based on source material-ish that mm-hmm. also has great characters. But they really just took these characters and just flipped them on their head and gave each character, dog, whoever, distinct personalities and really mm-hmm. play that up. And I think it all together, this crew works really well together. It's okay to look at there's some scenes where everything feels really flat for example the one of the final scenes where they're on the train tracks it's the background sky is just like a plain blue like there's mm-hmm. it, it, it's like they ran out of money or ran out of time on that scene and didn't like do they a proper just, background they just used the paint yes it's just a blue <laughs> background you know what I mean? so there's moments where it's like okay um it kind of gives me a feel of xerox era but we've moved past that yeah. and it's not quite you know it's not quite caps it's not it's this weird transition period for the company Mm -hmm. but it's the beginning of of getting there you know so this wasn't the early 80s where in those movies were what they were they're they're good-ish if you grew up with them right and they're fine but this is like we're heading in the right direction starting with great mouse detective this one was another hit and then we're preparing for the little mermaid which i must say i re-listened to that episode recently and i gave it four and a half stars and i was sitting there like what are you talking about yes i gave it four and a half stars <laughs> and i'm like why would i not give little mermaid five stars what are you talking about morgan so i'm amending the record and giving it five stars like <laughs> what um anyway uh, and this is what i'm gonna give three now okay I'm going to follow you and get and yeah, give it about Copycat. the same cat on that one. Um, I think the reason why is the fact that I was actually internally against watching this movie for a while and I didn't understand why. And I still don't understand why <laughs> it does have a lot of those elements that you that you really look forward to in a lot of the full musical songs. But it doesn't have like the music itself doesn't. Uh, that's not true. like it's I was gonna say it doesn't like bring me back but I'm like you know there's specific songs that totally do but there are other songs that I felt like were not mailing it in but just kind of like yeah that works right 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 so no I'm gonna give it four stars I'm just gonna go up because I really don't have that many reasons to give it much lower 
I don't currently watch it a lot, but it would I would watch it again. Like right now, I would go back and rewatch it, even though mm-hmm. I just watched it. <laughs> like, like, and I can understand why as a kid I probably watched this a um, hundred times. Mm-hmm. And so, I I get it. I get I understand me. So that's kind of why I oh I'm going at that. Also, just a random thought that I didn't talk about is that birthday party scene at the end. <gasps> I would never, never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> like the parents aren't even home yet. And obviously that was the thing like, oh, you're not going to be here for my birthday. Fine. Uh, and yay, you made these new friends and you know, escaped death you have together. No other but friends. you do not invite the creeper pickpocket dude into your home. No. Winston. Nope. And I understand where she was like, oh, he saved my life. No, he put your life in danger. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. God. I I honestly would not have been surprised if they would have done a scene where he, like, as he was leaving, was stealing stuff from, you know, they do the bet. Uh, and and he doesn't have the money, so he skedaddles out of there. But like, I would be surprised like if he was like twelve fake on his uh-huh. arm, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and the like, Mickey Mouse uh-huh. watch, which is great. Yeah. So um, yeah, that looking back, I'm like, oh, that's not a good look. That's, <laughs> like, that's not maybe a good look. just the dog should have been there because Fagin, that was weird. Yeah, like and it. have Fagin coming <laughs> by and picking them up after, you know, like that would have been a much more appropriate birthday party ending. Right. Um. Yeah. And it just mm-hmm. like it goes back to like my you just can't trust somebody missing that many teeth. You just can't. And so like bacon, I just can't do it. I've got issues with that. Mm-hmm. But other than that. Great like, points. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great I, it was a great time to watch this. I enjoyed it. And it was a happy it, I, I left happy at the end. It was so. it was just odd that they didn't. Did I miss this? It, they didn't show her reuniting with her family. Yeah. Right? Like, you would have thought, like, oh, the big happy family, they finally came back. Doesn't that happen in We're Back? It does. She ends up being with the parents, and it's like, oh, okay, like, things are going to be okay from here on out. But the parents were just, it was almost like she was the orphan, um, which I'm sure they were trying to show that in a way, how she mirrors Oliver, and they need each other, right? But they do call mm-hmm. like oh you're coming back tomorrow oh she'll yeah. be so happy yeah. they would have been so much better if they came home a day early like she's having the birthday party with the dogs and the parents walk right in and it's like oh because but then they have real to like family. they have to like talk about why this crazy fagin is in your room no 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 without fagin <laughs> okay. just dogs no fagin no fagin <laughs> oh like oh wow you're such a loner girl that you don't have real friends and you're having your own birthday party with some stray mutts okay we need to stop taking trips we need to be home we need to be more present yes we need to be more present parents we we're sorry we're gonna change this good yes good times yeah so there we go we want to know what you guys think about this movie in the comments you can also you can go to rotoscopers.com slash 240 or is this 245 245 wow so rotoscopers.com slash 245 or you can go to instagram as well yes and uh you could do both go to both and check them out and you can leave your comments there tell us what you thought about these this film uh what were your core memories did you also (laughs) always think of boombox dancing legs like i do because that's just 
It cannot be taken from my mind. <laughs> Boom <Boom-pop> dancing legs. <laughs> That's our title. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Until next time. We, we are, are the, the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers. I also had a, a yellow cat for a time. Uh, I just remember that this cat was huge and had seven toes. And so every time I think of Oliver, I think of that cat that I had and would shed a lot. <laughs> Ugh. I never have. Uh, my sister had a cat. It was an orange cat with stripish and his name was Popcorn. Oh, well, nice. I, I, from what I've heard, I tormented Popcorn. I was born <laughs> to pet him. <laughs> But it wasn't like one of those. I mean, that's cats, right? They they don't yeah. want to be pet, right? So unless they do, and then they enforce their their will upon you. My cat yeah. would, I she would come and sit down right in front of my mom as she was like working on stuff at her desk, and then she would just like walk over and just lay on her hands and be like, "Excuse you, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have a job to do. You must pet me." You and cool. me together will be. What did we make that a? Was that the a love song? I think that we added that into the love song category. Did we? I can't even remember. There it's were been... so many. <laughs> I know. Plus, we just did them back to back to back to back, so it was just like one giant mush of like every <laughs> song ever. <laughs> and we still didn't even get them all. Perfection. that laugh (laughs) yeah I don't know about that (laughs) you've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a 5 star review we're available on Apple Podcasts Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts and if you want to help spread the word be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media just don't forget to tag us at rotoscopers on instagram and use the hashtag animation addicts for all the links and full show notes for this episode go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast now if you still can't get enough for your animation fix be sure to subscribe to us on youtube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news reviews and interviews thanks for listening